So while I think that all those other channels are important, it's really hard to give a perfect experience, especially for consumers that you know want really, if they're in a bind, they need quick answers. So I think SMS in many ways is the saving grace for a lot of brands, even if it's not the, you know, the only channel, it, it eventually becomes the preferred channel for consumers, especially when they're, when they're in the highest point of need. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. We've been hearing more and more that consumers expect real-time access to service. Not just access, but personalized communication, recommendations, and information about the orders they have made. It's no surprise then that long wait times through automated phone calls or emails that take 24 to 48 hours to get a response, it isn't cutting it anymore, right? I mean, we know just from our own experiences through these channels. So we decided to take today's episode and dig a little bit deeper into the SMS trend. Not just how it's evolving, but how brands can utilize a combination of SMS marketing and communication with a more concierge-like experiences. And I guess you can consider today's episode a panel of sorts because we have Igloo, a brand that some, if not all of you may know and, and use their products. And we also have Attentive, a provider of SMS solutions. So we're going to show both sides of the conversation and dig a little bit into what the opportunities are for merchants, how to use SMS effectively, how to use data to improve the experience, and what Igloo is doing to optimize that customer experience. This is a super meaty conversation, so let's dig right in. Tivan, Kizzy, thank you both so much for taking the time to chat with me. Since we have a bit more of a panel discussion lined up for today, let's start out with, I guess, more formal introductions. Why don't you both share a little bit about yourselves and your respective roles? Tivan, let's start with you. Hello, I'm Tivan Amor, and I'm the general manager of Conversational here at Attentive. And prior to this, I was the CEO of a company called Tone Messaging, which Attentive acquired about a year and a half ago. And what Tone did was we had a team of live sales agents that texted users and shoppers in real time to get them to engage, to help them with questions they have and to help them convert. We did this on behalf of over a thousand merchants up until the point that we were acquired by Attentive. Um, And now that technology, that core technology of agents that are texting on behalf of brands is built into the Attentive software. So we do it for many of Attentive's largest customers right now. Awesome. And we'll be getting into that, I'm sure, today. So uh, Kizzy, how about you? Thanks for having me, Alicia. I am the Director of User Experience at Eagle Coolers. I've been with Eagle Coolers for about two years now. I've been in the e-commerce business for about 15 years in several different product lines from sports and diaper bags and sunglasses. And now I'm finally here at Igloo. And Igloo, I mean, most likely people are very familiar with the brand. We have a 90% brand recognition, but we produce coolers from all for everyone 
we have licenses, uh, we do soft coolers, hard coolers, you name it, it's very likely that you have one in your garage. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, part of the reason why I was so excited to have you both on the line is it's not often we get both perspectives of a technology implementation of a partnership and how, you know, a certain experience impacts that brand experience and the ability for a brand to better connect with their customer base. So um, really excited to dig in today. But let's start a little bit with Igloo. Like you said, Kizzy, I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this right now knows the Igloo brand or at the very least has seen Igloo products because you have a, a very significant wholesale presence, right? You, you sell with big box retailers like Walmart and Target. But like others, your company has focused on building out its D2C or direct-to-consumer e-commerce business. So I do want to ask, because I think it's an important foundation for our conversation today, when did your team decide that this was a critical next step or next phase for the brand and the business? Yes, definitely. So Igloo has been around for 75 years and we were very, very heavy, as you mentioned, in retail. You can find Igloo on every single retail store out there, Walmart, grocery stores, pharmacy, you name it. And it was kind of late in the game. It was about early 2020. It was really when Igloo started putting more effort into DTC. And I think one one aspect was that, you know, obviously the world was moving that way. People were shopping more and more online. But also we saw as an opportunity there to create that one-on-one relationship with the customer, which we never had really. So being able to get the data from our customers, being able to communicate with them, and then also the idea of testing out products on DTC first and learning there so we can be a little more creative on, you know, that's when we really came up with licenses and we work with Disney and NFL and all of these different licenses, but we wanted a place where we could test out these unique products. And then, you know, if it works out, we could reach out to retailers and we have a good point of view. Look, it worked out in DTC. Do you want it for your store? So I think it was a win-win situation all around. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. So kind of using that D2C experience as a testing ground, see how the market responds and then expand out from there. That That's really interesting. So looking at the experience specifically, so when a consumer decides to engage with your brand through the, the branded e-commerce site, I mean, how have you gone about differentiating that experience? So your site experience becomes a destination, something that drives traffic, drives conversion, because I know there have been a lot of conversations around like, as D2C brands go into wholesale, like how do you ensure that brand consistency, but still make them different enough, right? Like, so you still have that branded experience, that branded destination that really stands out. So how did you guys go about balancing that? Yeah, it was interesting. So as I mentioned, we didn't really have data from our customers, that one-on-one data that we now have. So honestly, the strategy was in the beginning, we were investing a lot in customer new customer acquisition, right? We didn't have those customers in the fold. So that was number one. And then we started from there building our list 
And we've grown pretty quickly there. And now we're at a point where segmentation is super important for us, right? We understand the customer better. We were making sure that we were capturing the data that we needed and we're using that data now to segment. And, you know, we have Hello Kitty and we have WWE and NFL and those are very different interests. So how do you communicate that at the right time to the consumer? So that's really where now more than ever, now it's been two years, now more than ever we're focusing on. Yeah, that's really funny. I could imagine someone who maybe purchased or had interest in a Hello Kitty item and then got WWE and being like, what? (laughs) So using that data to create that distinctive experience is especially important from that design and licensing standpoint. Tivan, I want to go to you because I'm sure Attentive has seen, you know, through conversations with brands, through actual projects that there is a real need to build out that data and, and you know, that data arsenal that, that Kizzy was talking about to use it to create those more personalized experiences. So what are you seeing through that lens? Like, how are you seeing your clients or brands in general build out their D2C experiences, especially using SMS and, and those more personal direct channels? Yeah. So I think what we're seeing from brands typically when they when they first come to us is they're choosing SMS because online it's getting a lot more competitive to sell. Just in the last three, four years, we've really seen difficulty converting users at the same clip and at the same price that customer acquisition costs once were. And so I think there's no better way to differentiate in a competitive market than to build personal relationships with your customers. And SMS is, especially in this country, the most personal channel that we have for business consumer relationships. And there's basically a a few things that our clients are doing typically when they're setting up their SMS program to build those relationships. First thing I would say is building a massive list of highly engaged subscribers. Um, We do that really effectively at Attentive with uh, mobile opt-in, creative. Uh, You get to a website within 10 seconds or so, you'll get a a pop-up that says, hey, put your email and your SMS and your cell phone number in here and get 20% off. Most shoppers are really excited to do that, especially if they're first-time buyers and they want to make sure they get a discount. So that builds a really awesome list really fast. The second thing that we're doing is we are giving sort of behavioral triggers for shoppers as they navigate the site and sending text messages based on their actions. So this could be anything from when a subscriber lands on a certain product page or when they abandon a browse and they've just left. Could be when they abandon a cart after they put something in their cart. It could be any of those, but only for specific, maybe high margin products. Could also be post-purchase things. So 30 days after someone buys something, but we know that there are good accessories that they could add on. We might ask them if they want, we might send them an upsell. We might send them you know, other things that might get them excited, or we might just send them and ask for a review if we know that they're likely to be happy with that purchase. There's a lot of content we can send. In general, there's a lot of really rich content we can send to in SMS uh, that people can engage with. So we see a lot of our brands, particularly brands that put out new product a lot, whether they're in fast fashion or just have a high number of SKUs, they might send MMS content that shows the new product that just came out from different angles, gets people excited, a lot of, a lot of motion. We also see brands starting to invest a lot in our automated conversational program. So to get to your point around data, That is one of the best ways to collect first-party data. We've got 
customers coming in, signing up for a discount. And then often we'll ask them a question like, hey, are you more interested in men's clothing or women's clothing? Are you more interested in pants or shirts? And as soon as a subscriber responds to that, we're actually able to collect that, save it as a custom attribute for that particular subscriber. And then we can market to them down the line based on their preferences. And then my personal favorite for what brands are increasingly doing is that content can actually be conversational and it can come from a human. So imagine a subscriber is browsing the site, they get to a product page and we send them a conversational message that says, hey, this is Sarah from Igloo. I saw you checking out a new Marvel Igloo cooler. Great choice. Any questions I can answer for you? Do you want me to see if I can find you our our best discount today? We'll see like an eight to 20% response rate on that initial message. And then what we find is that when people respond to that message, they're 43% more likely to convert in that conversation than if they were to have just clicked through a one-way message. So the game then becomes getting as many people to respond as possible and, and start that relationship as early as possible to drive more revenue. Wow, that's staggering. So to the end, since it's kind of come up organically to Yvonne, is that is that kind of where attentive concierge comes in? Like as we look at this through the lens of brand goals or even challenges that they're trying to address, it seems like it allows them to be a bit more proactive, right? Kind of start those conversations using data and, and using meaningful content or context. And then it also allows them to provide that higher level of personalized service through a very intimate channel. Am I, am I getting that right? Or I mean, I guess let's break down the, the value prop of attentive concierge specifically, because I know we'll get into that for Igloo. I think you've definitely got it down, Pat. And I've got a, a sales position open for you, if you're willing. <laughs> I'm going to steal some of the lines. But I think the reason that we founded Tone in 2018 was because we were e-commerce founders ourselves. We were selling bicycles. And we had this problem with information on our website. And I think it came from a couple of different places. This is 2018. So by that point, I think we had crossed the Rubicon in terms of more of our traffic being mobile than desktop. And the mobile user is very different than desktop user. They're like less prone to be able to do research. They're much more flippant. They're going to move between a bunch of different screens on their on their phone or on their tablet. And so they really just had a lot less patience with what we were selling at the time was like really invested $800 purchase. And so what we found is that we, we couldn't really keep people's attention. They would have all these questions and they would kind of just leave. We were lucky enough to be collecting phone numbers at the checkout and letting them opt in to receive more content from us. And we were luckily we were capturing a bunch of those people. So we actually just started manually texting them to kind of, at first it was just product research. We were like, how can we help you? What questions did you have that you didn't have answered today? And what we found is that 50% of people would respond to a message if it came from somebody on our team. And then we were able to convert somewhere between like 30 and 40 or 40% of those customers by just answering a few really simple, admittedly like FAQ style questions. Like what size should I get? You know, why is it priced this way? Can I get a discount? And when, if I order today, when can I get it? That was kind of like the four or five different FAQs that we started kind of just like cataloging. Once that started working really well for us, it became a six figure revenue stream, just the conversational side of our business. We said, okay, like we're only a seven figure brand. What would happen if we applied this to an eight figure or nine figure brand? So we started calling our friends and we said, hey, you guys should do this. You should start texting your customers conversationally. And they said, that sounds like a lot of work. Why don't you do it for us? <laughs> so that was actually how Tone was born. We ended up you know, ramping that up over the, over the course of three years. And 
I think the story with Attentive Brands actually was was similar, but a little bit different. So Attentive scaled up uh, this massive, at this, I think at the point of our acquisition, there were several thousand clients that Attentive was serving, doing a billion marketing messages every single month. And what they were finding is they were actually noticing that even though there were no humans in the background, even though 99% of messages sent on Attentive's platform were not ostensibly conversational, it was not saying, I'm a human and you can respond to me. Because it was in the SMS channel, subscribers were just assuming they could talk to someone. So often somebody would send out a campaign with 100,000 messages to 100,000 consumers, and they would see 1,000 messages back saying you know, anything from, when does the sale end, to can I get a better discount, to what size should I get, right? And by and large, attentive customers weren't really equipped to respond to that high volume and uh, with that crazy level of fluctuation of volume. Uh, in an effective manner that actually you know, gave consumers confidence. And when, when they did a study, they actually noticed that 70% of consumers actually wanted to and expected to be able to talk to support or talk sales in that same channel. That was kind of the problem identification that led to kind of attentive looking in the direction of tone and, and thinking about a service like concierge. And the last piece of it was realizing they did in their initial study, they found that the small contingent of brands that were actually responding to customers quickly saw 31% spend, more spend from subscribers that got quick responses. Now, since we've implemented concierge and we're, we're doing this at a high level of scale without brands involvement, we're seeing more like 65% increased spend from those subscribers. Wow. That's amazing. So to the end, Kizzy, it's been a while since we've heard from you. I want to take a, a step or two back and just get your insight on why SMS for Igloo specifically? Like, how does it currently work with your other marketing and service channels? And, and what really inspired you to look into a solution? Like, was there an established need or pain point you were hoping to address? Or did you just kind of see the market shifting towards this more direct and real-time type of interaction and, and you just wanted to get ahead of it? Like, what was the context there? Yeah. So honestly, the reason we start looking into SMS was because we saw other people, you know, in the industry doing and they were seeing success with it. I think when it comes to SMS marketing, especially in the initial days, people were pretty skeptical, right? Like, why would you want messages from a brand on your phone? And I'll be honest that I was that way as well, but I knew I had to test it out. You know, I, can't, I couldn't be based on my solely opinion. So we decided to move forward with Attentive. We actually started a little over a year ago and they were really supportive because I didn't have the knowledge, you know, on how to implement it and what's the strategy. So they were really great on giving the support that we needed there. But once we started capturing those customers, it was just the data was showing, right? And it was surprising to me. People wanted to hear from us. And one thing that I realized was that if you are signing up for SMS and you decide to keep the brand on your contact, on your phone, keep subscribed, that's the most valuable customer that you can get. They really want to hear from you. They love the brand. And that's why I think we see such a great conversion rate through SMS. I mean, SMS right now, a few months ago now, surpassed our paid social channel in terms of percentage in e-com revenue. So it's a little step. So paid now, paid 
social now sits at 17% and SMS is now at 18%, but that was huge. So that really validated all of this. The other thing that I think was huge for us is our customers have that store experience, right? They can talk to someone at the store. They can ask questions and I mean, you probably know, I don't know, when we go, you know, shopping for clothes or we value that interaction. And I've started looking into the conversations that were going on there. And one, you know, people were asking, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just not sure between the teal and the green. And, oh, a concierge would be going back and forth on why, you know, oh, this is cute. This is great for this kind of environment or whatever. And People were all into it. And I think that that it comes back to that store experience that we don't get in the digital space. It's a lot harder, no matter how great your user experience is, no matter how much effort you put there, it's really hard to get that. So bringing the the human aspect of in-store into your phone, I think it was key for us and it's working. Oh, that's great. So just to clarify, just so our, our listeners understand how, how all of this plays together. So you're doing regular SMS through attentive as well as attentive concierge. So they're yes. kind of working together. Okay, got it. And then did you decide to do everything all at once or was it no. like a process? Okay. It was a process. So again, with SMS, everything was new. I wanted to move at a slower pace to really understand. So the first thing we did was just test out concierge with card abandonment only. And it well, card abandonment is our highest performance. So that one does really well with concierge. But we did really see a great lift there in terms of revenue. So then we decided to open up to everyone. So right now, even if you receive a campaign for a new product launch, we have concierge built into that and they can have a conversation from there. So it's like what they call, I believe, is concierge everywhere. So anyone can access now at any point. That's amazing. So, I mean, to dig a little bit deeper into that progression, I mean, I'm I'm sure it's amazing for our listeners to know, like, this is something that they can test, they can scale and kind of adapt over time. So we talked a bit about, you know, the data, right? And I think more than ever, marketers, e-commerce leaders, like they want that data to kind of validate their approach, ensure that they're getting the most value out of all these different tools and channels that they're using. So I'm curious, I mean, how does attentive and attentive concierge kind of allow you to see the returns on those service experiences? Like, can you get insight into like the types of conversations happening, what resonates, what doesn't? Because I'm sure data-driven testing and learning is is huge for a lot of the folks listening right now. Yes, definitely. So we do have visibility to every single conversation. We can go in there and see every single one of them. We also have, we get a lot of the data on it. You know, you can go just to the attentive platform and go to the dashboard and through there, you're going to get how many concierge conversations we had this month or lifetime or during a certain period of time. What were the total conversion from the conversational revenue, what's the ROI, so we can get all of the key metrics from there, specifically to concierge, as well as to just general SMS data. That's great. And I guess my next question is a question for both of you, right? Because Kizzy, you have a very specific experience with Igloo, and then Tivan, obviously you have this broader scope of what's happening in the industry and your customer base more broadly. But I'm always curious about like how these new channels come into an existing 
marketing or service stack and and how all of the channels play off of each other, right? Because we've heard it like customers are using more channels than ever before. I think I read a study recently that was like the average is about six touch points for, you know, a single shopping journey or shopping goal. And you kind of stagger and flip-flop between different ones, depending on where you're at, where your mindset is, and how focused you are, among other things. So how can brands kind of build out this customer journey, considering SMS and, you know, even a solution like Attentive Concierge? Like, what does that look like? I mean, Kizzy, maybe we start with you because obviously you're building this for Igloo specifically. Like, how did you kind of go about figuring out what touch points fuel which ones? Or is it very, very customer driven and very, you know, like they dictate the journey? Well, I think for SMS, again, as I mentioned, like this is a really special channel. So if people are signed up for SMS, we're going to treat them we'll give them the VIP treatment, right? So we do have a lot more email subscribers, but we build their journey so that we can hit them first via SMS. You know, if the product is back in stock, we have a lot of products that run out quickly, we will notify them via SMS first, and then we'll get them an email sent out. So really that's kind of the way we build out the experience and differentiate the experience between email and SMS. If we have a product launch, SMS will receive first. If we have a Black Friday sale, SMS will get early access. So to us, is we know that those customers are very special and we want to treat them that way as opposed to email. Obviously, we're we want to continue to grow our email, but we know that the customers on SMS are really just love the brand. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a really nice and an important distinction, right? Like you're not just sending out mass texts to everyone all the time and and I feel like I've read a few articles and, and think pieces around, you know, the ideal use cases for SMS and really how to maximize that impact. But I mean, Tavon, what are you seeing? What does attentive kind of dictate as best practice as far as incorporating SMS and more high-touch concierge-type experiences into those those journey maps or, or customer experiences? My perspective on this, I think, has always been... So you remember when we used to shop at department stores? And uh, yes. it seems like a long time ago. <laughs> but the thing that I always I found funny about department stores is they were so big, and they're often attached to malls, right? That how many doors would those things have, right? Like they would have like like you could approach it from so many different angles, like, oh, I want to park in this parking lot and you'd end up in the men's section. I want to park in this parking lot. You'd end up in the kids section or the perfume section. And then if you came in through the mall, it would be a totally different experience. And I think that department stores were set up like that because they were so big, they had to have multiple entrances, you know, not just because of fire code, but just because like to access different parts of it efficiently, you had to do that. But if you think about it from like a philosophical standpoint, at any given time, a customer could find it more convenient to walk into one of those doors, right? So sometimes you're shopping in the mall and you're like, oh, I just want to pop into Hex, right? Other times you're like, I want to go to Hex specifically and I'm driving there and therefore I'm going to park in the Hex parking lot. I've always thought of customer communication channels in the same way, whereby sometimes you're browsing on your desktop and you're like, I want to talk to somebody on live chat because that's the most efficient for me. Other times you're on the road and you realize, oh, I need something from Miglu or I really want to, you know, I really want to talk to them. And it makes more sense for you to be on mobile and texting. 
Um, other times you have maybe a longer term question and it doesn't need to be answered right away and you can like fire off a support email. So my suggestion to merchants from the beginning of time we were working with them to now is make sure you have all of the doors open at all times, the, the, the department store doors, I guess, if we're still using that analogy, because you never know when a consumer is going to want to choose one of those paths. My other insight that I've gained, I think most recently, is that all roads should lead to SMS. <laughs> Maybe that's a little bit biased, but I actually, I think my, my conviction around this grew as of yesterday because I had one of my managers on the agents team sent me a, a screenshot of one of our concierge clients' conversations. They will remain, remain nameless and Igloo, I promise it, Kizzy, I promise it was not you. <laughs> but it was basically a conversation where we helped the subscriber figure out when their delivery was going to arrive. So we sent them a little delivery tracking link. And then we said, do you have any more questions? And I actually have it in front of me here because I think it's such a powerful example of why SMS is, is great. So we said, oh, you're welcome. Anything else I can help you with while I still have you? The customer says, no, thank you, because I've tried calling and there's no one to answer the phones. And I sent an email and no one answered me back. And I remembered you text me back immediately. So thank you because you've been awesome. Have a good rest of your day. So while I think that all those other channels are important, it's really hard to give a perfect experience, especially for consumers that you know want really, if they're in a bind, they need quick answers. So I think SMS in many ways is the saving grace for a lot of brands, even if it's not the, you know, the only channel, it, it eventually becomes the preferred channel for consumers, especially when they're, when they're in the highest point of need. That's actually a really good point. It's like people, again, have that strong association with SMS being very direct, very instant and real time. So when you can deliver upon that promise, it is super powerful, especially when they're used to email, which, you know, typically the automated response says like 24 to 48 hours or phone. I mean, forget even trying to get people on the phone anymore without having an automated component to that as well. So when you can deliver upon that that value and that promise, it's incredibly powerful. It stays with you. But I want to ask you a question on the opposite end of the spectrum, which is challenges, pitfalls, red flags, right? Like, if someone listening right now is like, you know what, I'm going to do SMS, like we've been thinking about it, we're ready to move forward. Let's do this thing. Is there anything people should not do? And like, this can be like learnings, like from actual firsthand experiences, or it can just be just general things to avoid. Like what should they be looking out for as they roll out a program like this? Yeah. So I think the biggest misconception that I see with brands that are just getting started with SMS with us is they come in kind of with this expectation that they have from other channels they have to invest in. So typically we'll say, well, what are your, what are your goals? What are your revenue goals? What are your KPIs that you're going to be tracking? And we'll, we'll typically hear something like profitability within the first year. And we say, oh, okay, well, how about profitability within the first day or the first month? Because <laughs> you're going to be able to, as soon as you start building a list, and as soon as, soon as you start texting these customers, you're going to have a high enough conversion rate and a high enough engagement to really start driving some real revenue. You should see immediate payback. So that's why we offer a 30-day free trial. We see brands drive five, six, sometimes even seven figures in during their trial to prove out the value of SMS. And I think, you know, Kizzy can kind of attest to what that ends up contributing after a year or two uh, to their total top line. It's somewhere typically in the high teens or our average, I think right now is about 20.5% of total revenue. So 
I say that because I think that the biggest pitfall I see is brands actually moving too slowly to build out the channel once they start. They kind of are dipping their toe in the water in a a situation where actually it's it's quite, at least maybe because I'm biased, to me quite obvious that if they just continue to build out the program, it'll be one of the highest return activities they can do. So great example of that. A lot of brands we see when they first get started, they're only sending maybe one campaign per month. But we actually see incremental returns up to like six campaigns per month. And so the brands that are really maximizing their value are doing that relatively quickly. And then of course, you know, shameless plug, brands that wait really long to do concierge are actually leaving money on the table because there is this contingent of customers that will constantly need questions answered, constantly will only want to convert if they talk to a human. So getting programs like that stood up you know, sooner rather than waiting, I think is, is also something to start doing. Awesome. Kizzy, any, any thoughts since you've kind of gone through this experience firsthand? Yeah, we have to be conscious of the customers that we're bringing in and how to communicate with them. So I think it's easy to get into just trying to build a list, build a list, build a list, and not really putting the effort to understand the customer and be able to make sure that you're communicating the right, the right message to those customers because you can lose them really quickly, right? So I think one great example is we did a giveaway that people, let's say you bought a cooler at a Walmart, you had a flyer inside and you can win a Jeep if you, you know, there's a QR code, it takes you to a landing page, you put, and then you sign up for SMS, you are entered to win a Jeep. So we saw a lot of people coming in, but we didn't know anything about these customers, right? Like they were all over the place. I mean, those are coolers from Walmart, Target, grocery stores everywhere. And so as we started looking at the data, so another important thing I think is looking, always keeping an eye on the data and see what's telling you. But as we looked at to the data, we're seeing, okay, we're getting a huge number of unsubscribes from this. So yes, we're bringing them in, but we're, we don't know much about them. And then we're sending these campaigns without really knowing their interests. So we met with Attentive and we strategize. And this is what I really love about Attentive is really they're a partner in building a strategy and creating solutions for us. And we came up with the solution of through the welcome message that they get, we already write, ask the question right away, what are you interested in? A, B, C, or D. And from there, then we can put them on the, in the, into these buckets and send them the right message. So now we know that they're interested in camping. So we're going to send them a uh, messaging around coolers for camping. We know that they're interest in, they have kids, they're interested in uh, licensed products. Now we can give them the right content. So I think that that's super important as you're coming into SMS, you're going to want to build your list and that's great. And you can do that and you can do that fast, but you need to be watching the data and seeing and making sure that you're sending the right message so that you can keep them in the database with you for the long run. Yeah, that's a great point. Let data be the guide. So, I mean, to the end, Tibana, I want to ask you about goal setting, measuring results, because you brought up KPIs in your in your last response. So I want to make sure that we hit on this. I mean, do you have any input as far as like expectations for goal setting, outcomes, KPIs? Because, I mean, we've kind of brought this up a few times in our conversation that it's all about 
constantly assessing and improving, maximizing the investment. I mean, how do you think about this, like through the lens of like SMS and concierge as like two, I guess, distinct opportunities? Like, how do you guide merchants to ensure that they're setting the right goals and they're focusing on the right KPIs? Like, is that part of the strategic and planning process? Yeah. So my sales team actually does a lot of research in the background before we ever have our first conversation with a potential concierge client. So we're looking at their existing attentive data. We're looking at their traffic, their campaign sending, their automated message sending, their triggered messages. And we basically, now that we have so many customers on it, on concierge, we're able to give a good range for what the conversion rates are going to be based on the product category, the vertical they represent, based on the average order value, based on how involved of a purchase it is. Often couches you know, have a different conversion rate than $35 sunglasses. So we take that into consideration. And we'll typically come prepared with a range of what a brand can expect in terms of revenue and conversion and cost in the first conversation. And so typically we'll, we'll kind of have that information in our back pocket. And we'll have a a frank conversation with the brand about what their goals are. Typically, what we see from brands in terms of like the broad categories of goals, especially in the last year, post-pandemic and as the market has softened, we'll see brands come to us with kind of this two-part goal of we need to drive as much revenue as possible, but this time with as high margin as possible, which we weren't seeing (laughs) as much before. And then the way that brands get to that in different ways, but I think... More often than not, it ends up, we end up hearing the word retention a lot. So they say, you know, it used to be we could drive new customers at all costs. The costs are low enough that like we're going to get first order profitability or second order profitability. And now we're hearing more like we got to find a way to engage our existing customers as much as possible and drive as much LTV from them. So that's typically where the conversation starts. And then based on the data that we have on that, on that client, we're able to say, okay, well, we actually expect that with your AOV and with your traffic right now, we're going to be able to drive X amount of revenue at Y ROI. So our ROI, average ROI right now for the entire program, somewhere between five and six X just for the conversational revenue that we drive, which is quite strong. And then, you know, we also will look at data in terms of like how much lift we're getting on, on conversions for all those conversations, how much lift we're getting on AOV. So we'll typically see an AOV lift of 10 to 15%. So if a sunglasses brand is selling on average, you know, $77 sunglasses, we're actually seeing into the low 80s just because, you know, once you have a conversation with a customer, they're much more likely to, once they have a, they've kind of had all their questions answered, maybe one out of 10 times they'll buy a second pair because they've got all their questions answered or they're upgrade to the the more expensive model because they feel more, more confident with the purchase. So all those things, you know, we take into consideration. And we kind of let the client guide us in terms of what KPIs are going to be most important. Uh, but we do, we're lucky to you know, be attached to a very data-heavy company like, like Attentive, where we can pull all the information and make the best path forward uh, in that initial conversation. That's great. Awesome. Well, it has been a fascinating conversation, kind of hearing both sides of you know the value of SMS and concierge programs and how this direct channel can really have a tangible impact on the business. So I have a question for both of you to kind of close things up uh, in our overall time together. Tavana, I guess I'll ask you first, since my question for you is a bit more trend-based and, and high level. I mean, how do you think SMS will continue to impact or influence the customer experience moving forward? Because, you know, looking at the consumer side, the value is clear. On the brand or merchant side, 
We talked a lot about the metrics, expected outcomes, but I think sort of indirectly, we talked about some of the challenges around customer acquisition, the cost there. So do you think we're going to be seeing an uptick in investment through SMS and, and similar programs over the coming year? Yeah, I think we're already seeing that trend for sure. We're seeing a lot of sort of later adopter brands come to us and say, we're realizing we've got a lot of economic pressure right now to drive results without, uh, you know, with minimal spend. So we're definitely seeing that. It was the question also around like what the future of SMS is going to look like, or was it just around? Yeah, I, I think both, like what adoption will look like and what do you think the future will hold for the channel in, in general? Yeah. So caveat, I do think my perspective is a little bit biased towards like the future, like conversational future. <laughs> but my perspective over the past couple of years has been, my wife actually runs a, a real estate brokerage. And if you asked her like, Hey, uh, like how much of your business, you know, with clients is on email, she would laugh. She's like, well, you can't do business on email, especially when time is of the essence when you're selling houses. And so I watch her all day text with her clients, text with her agents. And I think to myself, like no one built this channel to do that. Like, it's just, it's just like, they've kind of adopted this channel because it is the fastest, but no one actually built SMS for commerce, right? It just kind of has become that because it is faster and more personal than any other channel we have available to us. And if you look at trends in Asia right now, WeChat is so many, so many years ahead of us versus SMS in terms of how, uh, how brands and consumers engage with one another. It's not really a model where you're shopping on websites. It's a model where you're actually shopping mostly conversationally in WeChat and you've got the brand talking to you at all times. And elements of the website are, 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 are built into that. So I do think that our future is going to look a little bit different, but I think the components will be the same where industries will be built around the, the messaging relationship, like what I'm seeing with, with my wife's real estate brokerage business. And it's, it's up to us as technology purveyors to really think about by vertical what that experience looks like where you, you stay in that channel and you're conducting your business fully in that channel, but you bring in the commerce ele elements that you need, like payments or like concierge to complete that experience for the consumer. Awesome. And Kizzy, for you, I mean, what are the next steps for Igloo, for the D2C experience? And you know, what are you excited to learn about as far as how your consumers are interacting and seeing value what this direct communication channel, like what's next for you? Yeah, so, you know, our list is growing and it's growing fast. So again, our main focus now will be understanding the customer and segmenting the messages accordingly. So we just hired a new retention manager and her role is really kind of making sure that we're segmenting the content that we're looking at the customer database on a daily basis. So that's really a kind of short-term what we're fiercely working on right now. When it comes to like longer future and what's going to happen there, I'm very interested. I mean, I, and I, I dream big, you know, are we going to be able to bring more of those in-store experience? I don't know, like really be able to get a better sense of the product and perspective and 3D views of that product and maybe even interact through SMS on your phone. And that's really looking way ahead. But I think that the way that technology is moving, it's, it wouldn't surprise me that we'll get there sooner than later. Alicia, I have like one kind of alternate thought for sure. Like, on like me. where SMS can go. My wife runs a real estate brokerage and I see her doing 
deals and business all day long, a lot of phone calls, a lot of text message, but definitely no emails back and forth with her clients because that would be really inefficient. And what I also notice is, especially when you're selling something like a house or buying something like a house, the knowledge that you need of the customer is really quite a bit. And so over time, over the course of several months of working with, with a buyer, my wife or somebody on her team will really like get to know the customer a lot. And it can be all three text messages. Like they've just like built this relationship over time. And that ends up, that relationship they build over time ends up, you know, culminating in this awesome moment where they sell property or they buy a property. And I think that we're kind of in the first inning with SMS as it relates to e-commerce or other online businesses, building relationships uh, with customers over SMS. But I, I can see a, a not so distant future where the customer has been having this long conversation with a brand over the course of several years. And we have all the conversational data and all the information, all the insights to really make the customer not just feel like we're helping them in that moment, but like we know them so intimately that we can suggest the right thing at the right time. We can have a, a more personal conversation about what's going on in their life and make them feel heard. And I think that that, I think the brands that actually start investing in that, and of course the vendors like us that, that start being able to provide that experience are going to really have, uh, have a leg up over the more kind of transactional nature of, of communication channels that we currently have today. Awesome. Well, it seems like we're almost at 50 minutes. I feel like time flies by when we talk about something as exciting and as in-depth as this. There are so many layers and components to the conversation. So thank you both again so much for taking the time out to chat with me, share your unique stories and perspectives. I think it provided everyone listening a good, well-rounded view of SMS, where it's headed, and most of all, how to use it effectively. So thank you both so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.